if you as you grow up and maybe this helps a lot of people watching is expectations you know um we have expectations we have also fear of expectations and so i've always feared that the people who support me are supporting me you know monetarily wise donations friendships uh subs and i would disappoint them you know and that's that they expect something from me mm-hmm. but there comes a point where i just simply couldn't and good friends um people who really support you and care about you will understand and that's the hard part you know when do you take some time off um when you don't enjoy something don't continue it um come back when you're ready Can we maybe just jump in there in how you, everything started for you? Like, how did you get into gaming and streaming? Um, and maybe give us a little bit of time frame when everything happened. Sure. I mean, first of all, I want to say thanks for having me on this show. I'm, um, I really like what you're doing. You know, the idea behind the show and everything else that's in there. Um, there's just quite a lot in the gaming industry that's just not being talked about. Or even, you know, in pop culture, you know, like mental health is super important. Um, yes. Even when I was a teacher, I saw the importance like um, there is in childhood development, um, even within the game industry, man, you, you watch communities, you watch people. And uh, when you've seen as much as I've seen, or, or possibly as you, um, you, you also start to see where, where the dark parts are. And for someone to be shining light, it's really an important thing that you what you're doing is really, really cool. That's why I wanted to come on and support and maybe um, lend like some cool info for people who watch who either are struggling or um you know are trying to be more in the video game industry as a as a whole or even trying to create content so i've done now quite a few of those things and everyone has their own share of you know good times and bad times so um it's always important what you're doing is really cool i want to just kind of get out there and say it um, before you. we dive into just I guess some questions about like what I've done and um, just in general, what we share at the same time. I mean, my background here is battlefield, right? Because that's kind of how we got to know each other. Uh, but it's the video game industry, right? So for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Eric. Um, I started streaming when PlayStation 4 came out. Uh, and that was, if I'm not mistaken, uh it, it happened november 2013 holy smokes you know it's pretty crazy to look at that and say that it's been a while it's been a while but i mean the first year when the ps4 was out i wasn't like full-time streaming i wasn't like you know pursuing this as a thing it was more just like i just gamed a lot you know i i went through college connecting with my best friends by gaming you know, because mm-hmm. everybody kind of separated out. They all, we all went our separate places into different colleges. Um, and eventually it was just like Battlefield was the one thing that kept us together, you know. And uh, um, even when my friends didn't play, I but, played But you started like six six months after, right? You started pretty quickly. But first <laughs> yes. more like a... I, what made you start streaming, though? 
Well, what was you the know, reason for you? I, I recall this this moment, right? Like um, PlayStation had this live from PlayStation feature, and uh, I didn't even know what Twitch was at that time, or cared about like YouTubers and whatnot. Mm -mm. Uh, I was just out doing my own stuff, and then at the end, um, uh, I looked at this live from PlayStation, and chance will have it that the person I clicked, you know. I looked for, hey, you know, what did I want to watch? I'm a Battlefield guy. I wanted to watch some Battlefield. And somebody was playing the campaign. So I clicked on him and I, and I started watching. And this person ended up being Slovak. And he was speaking in Slovak. And to me, it was just like, holy smokes, man. Cool, bro. I'm from Slovakia too. Um, where are you? And he was in Germany. Believe oh, really? it or not. Yeah. And okay. instantly, I was like, man, this is powerful. Because, like... It, it brought me someone, it, it connected me to someone who is from, who has a connection to me. Just just the, the mind craziness of all that. Um, so um, instantly I was like, this is cool. And so I started playing. I would turn it on sometimes. Um, and the, the general idea was, hey, let me find some people to play games with. Because I got a PlayStation. I only had my two best friends on it. And my friends list was empty. I remember the first, uh, you know, years of streaming, I was just adding everybody, everybody from the stream, adding, adding, adding. And then eventually I always had people to jam with and game. And it was nice to the point where literally my friends list was full, you know, <laughs> I would, I wouldn't even be able to. It's, it's funny. You, you probably, you didn't know, but you probably did the first best thing is connecting with, with your audience and building up your audience by playing with them and connecting with them. Right. I'm just yeah. thinking about like how how did you get there? D did you have you didn't have the vision when you started out that you would get eventually to this point where you ended streaming, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think most people don't start streams with the the vision of like, hey, I want to be a content creator. Uh, I want to have a channel of X amount of people or subs or full time. Like most people don't do that. I think nowadays, because back then, you know, you, you had some YouTubers who were professional, but nowadays you have people who are front and center, like, like actors, right? Like you see successful actors, you, you at a maybe young age want to be like, Hey, I'm going to be a successful actor because I see, you know? And so we're first time approaching this uh, space where, you know, you see successful streamers and people are coming out of high school or in high school. And they're like, I'm going to be that next successful mm -hmm. streamer. I, I don't know. At, at that time, there just wasn't a lot of information out. So uh, most people did not, you know, pursue it that way. But did you eventually make the decision, like the conscious decision to, um, you know, yes. make it successful? I, and what, I think, I think what happened the, there in your mind, basically? <laughs> the first what was part your plan? Is, is like, um, you, you know, you start to see people support you and you're just like, okay, cool, right? Um, that's why you get a better microphone. That's why you get better headsets because people are like, oh man, did you check this out? Hey man, I'll support you and uh, get this microphone. Everyone's using this technology and you kind of just get better and better um, with the equipment that you have. And at the same time, you once, I, th I think like everybody who sets a schedule is looking for that, that level of success. You know what I mean? Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> basically, um, that's when you become more serious about content creation with the actual setting up a schedule. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not sure like how far, how, how much, because we don't have so much time and I think I, I can't go too much into, um, your world today as a streamer. Um, but 
when you do you think like Ecolements from the startup um was it like a persona you were building up or like how is Ecolements like different from Eric when did you start to think about like as a brand maybe or something when you when um, you were thinking about it I don't think I ever thought of myself as a brand and if if you would go in and talk about like uh good moves and bad moves uh mm -hmm. that's a bad move you know like I never pursued Ecolements as a brand never really had like um merch or, or things like that it was never my uh like thought out plan you know to sit there and be like oh, i'm gonna brand myself um and i see people successful who are who do that and that is the only way you can become successful as a content creator so um maybe like learning opportunities to all those people who want to be content creators and want to do it full time and are very passionate about it, you must think of yourself as a brand. You must build that up. Um, but it's a, it's a fine line. You know, what is authentic and what is Say, just conjured up? What's your name? But you conjured up works. Like you look at someone as successful as Dr. Disrespect. He just came out swinging as a brand. And it just works, you know? No one questions authenticity, you know what I mean? Everyone knows that he is um, basically playing a show, but people eat it up, people enjoy it, you know? No one's there for the authenticity of, you know, Guy. That's his name, right? Like mm -hmm. Yeah, that is his name. By the way, chat here, guys, if you have any questions um, to Echo Limits himself, just put them in the chat, of course. We will pick them up, you know, whenever we can. Um What do you say, Thotis? I always thought Ecolimits related to something about ecology. No, no. You know, <laughs> the origin of the name is funny because I was like maybe 14 or something. Um, and I was in Europe and I was watching MTV in German. Mm -hmm. And there was a Big rapper thing. called Echo Fresh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And and he was like, <laughs> Ikao, you know, Echo. And I was like, cool. So I went back and, and I was like, This, the funny part is, is, yeah, this is true. And Sorry. I went back and I was like a sophomore in high school. And this girl was like, hey, you know, I want, I want to message you on AOL. I'm like, holy smokes, I need to make an AOL account, right? And then I was sitting there like, what would I be? Well, I mean, I thought so that was funny. Cool. I met him, man. I met him. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. Look, the, this world is connected. You know, it's just impossible. Like I, I sat today, I was sitting today talking to a friend of mine. At oh, a park years and, ago, man. And we, we discussed like how world is destiny. And look, it's a connection. Like the fact I'm doing a podcast, it's hilarious that you met this person who inspired my name. Um, yeah, Echo Fresh. And, uh, and I just kind of threw limits on it. And it just worked out because, you know, Eric Kovac, EKO, maybe. Uh, mm -hmm. And I ended up being a math teacher. Mm, limits, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, man, that's so, that's so funny. That's really funny that we are sitting here and talking about that right now. It's hilarious. I love it. But you're right. Everything is connected. And I truly believe in that, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think we got this. Um, why? Okay, let's let's go to the part you stopped streaming eventually. Um, yep. What made you think? I mean, it's a process. It's not like you probably decide from one day to the other, like now, nah, you know, fuck this, I stop streaming now. So it is a grueling process. So let's, know? yeah, tell me about this. Like, uh, what what made you thinking about taking a break, and and why? There were, there were a lot of things, you know, life changes, myself, um, Battlefield was one of the biggest games I've motivated me to create a channel, motivated me to continue streaming. And once we all know the story with Battlefield 5, 
um, man, there was just accumulation of a lot of bad things, you know, um, that ended up with me not enjoying Battle for Five. Um, I jumped into other games and, you know, I just didn't enjoy them. You know, like some games I would like to play off stream. Um, but ultimately, I just fell out of love with the games that were available, right? And I think it's not so much um, that the games were bad, you know, like Call of Duty obviously has done wonders for a lot of people's channels that, that were EA Game Changers and Battlefield people, um, you know, like, uh, for instance, Westy and, uh, and those people. Um, they did really, really good content, and uh, everyone kind of understood that, hey, you switched away from Battle for Five because Battle for Five was just at a state where... Um, It was well, there was no was new content. I mean, if you're a content creator, how can you make content about a game which doesn't bring new content, right? But you see, this is not the problem. Okay, what I is the problem? I played Battlefield 4. I played Battlefield 4 where there was absolutely no content. Oh, right. You know, it was okay. the game is good. I can care less about content if the core game is good. Mm -hmm. When a core game sucks, there's nothing you can slap on it. If you have a, a crappy car, I don't care what the paint job is or the spoiler is or the lights, you know? Okay. Your engine sucks. I see that. You're not going anywhere. And this was the biggest problem with, with that I had. And uh, I will say that what, what motivated me to stop is just this slow trickle, slow trickle of being alive and just not enjoying it. And, and I, it, it's a hard thing to go through. And I know you guys talk about like mental awareness and all this stuff. Um, when, you, when you put yourself in a position of like entertaining people, but you're not entertained. How is that even possible? Yeah, I was about I mean, to ask, like, did, did Battlefield 5 in the end affect your mental health? I mean... In a way? It's, it's like a disappointment. You know what I mean? It's a disappointment in the fact that it's something you love and it's, it's not good. So then you realize, like, do you complain about it? Do you fight to change it? Do you try to help it? You know, I'm, like, I'm not the type of person to waste time doing useless things that are not going to impact something you know like my biggest motivation even in in what i do now in industry wise is to make real change happen do something that's going to help someone uh indie devs uh inspire streamers or whatever else i work with content creators all the time um move things forward and so at that time battlefield was just stagnating It was not going to go anywhere. The writing was on a wall. So, so that um, coupled with, you know, life changes, real life changes, you know, turning older, you know, that's, that's kind of what happens to us all. Um, and uh, a big life change for me was losing my dad. You know, that's not an easy thing for most people um, who've been through losing a parent. And, uh, you know, I had to take some time off because of you think about entertainment. You know, and that's What's what streaming name, is. Hero? I'm here to make people happy. Um, shoot some breeze with someone. Play some games, you know? Like uh, when you have a free time. And that's when content creation is good. When content creation isn't good is um, when you're just deeply hurt by something. You know, you could be deeply hurt by uh, a family member passing away. And you just have like not enough time to deal with it. And so it's first, first of all, it started with, with the decline of Battlefield, went into my family life, 
And then it was just the perfect time of like, hey, let me take a month off. My dad died. And then months turned into two, three, four, five. And then eventually it was like the the want to stream again. I streamed once or twice when it was like a a game um, to actually play. But um, there was there was just a lot of stuff there that even when I came back, there wasn't a game that I can sink into and truly enjoy making content. Mm-hmm. So um, the decision to stop was really, really hard. But what was harder is the d- decision as to what to do next. You know what I mean? Before, um, we, before we go there, wh- what were you most afraid of when you stopped streaming? Like the process, what, like, like what was going on in your mind? I, I bet like the pressure you had, I think, blue microphones as a sponsor at that time, right? Yeah. Um, um, I mean, properly, I don't know how many subs you had and stuff like that. I mean, was that like a, a lot of inevitably, pressure? everything kind of goes down right um subs and you know the biggest the biggest thing that you fear as a content creator is disappointing the people who support you because these people support you and if you as you grow up and maybe this helps a lot of people watching is expectations you know um we have expectations we have also fear of expectations and so i've always feared that the people who support me are supporting me, you know, monetarily wise, donations, friendships, uh, subs, and I would disappoint them, you know, and that's that they expect something from me. Mm-hmm. But there comes a point where I just simply couldn't. And good friends, um, people who really support you and care about you will understand. And that's the hard part. You know, when do you take some time off? Um, when you don't enjoy something, don't continue it. Um Come back when you're ready. And many streamers have done it. I mean, Summit, I remember Summit 1G, um, he punched his monitor. Um, yeah, um, I, I mean, that was a big thing. And and he, and he just kind of went offline for a while because he just hated H1Z1 at that point. And he was in a similar position where it's like Battle for Five, man. I mean, like, uh, I think, is that is that broken machine in the yeah. chat too? <laughs> Yeah, I saw a comment on tweet. What's up? Uh, I miss you guys. You know, I missed the, I missed that about the e game changers getting to see everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I saw a comment from you, and you were you're venting your frustration with Battle for Five. And I think I commented. And I'm like, man, I don't understand how people still create content for that game, right? I mean, it was just really, really bad. I mean, it's okay for a half an hour, but when you're dealing content, you, you know, specifically streamers, you need to have mm-hmm. content for four hours at least. Right, like that's the Goldilocks zone, maybe three, four hours. I think the biggest deal is really what you said before. Like, if you're frustrated with the game, and and I mean, in the end, you're streaming. That means you have a camera in front of you, and you want to be happy. And if it doesn't come from a happy place, and then you have people also in the chat who are frustrated because of that game, and they leave that frustration to you. How can you come from a happy place and react to these people? React to your stream, uh, because you feel it maybe even the same way sometimes, the f- frustration, right? So um, I guess it was a decision also for your for your inner happiness, uh, happiness, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, um, well, it was huge. It was hard to say. I probably disappointed people. Um, I, I know there's some people who are understanding of why I made what choices I made. And there are people who stayed in touch with me completely through email, through mm-hmm. Discord, through Twitter. Um, and that's that was like, wow, that's cool. Hey man, I haven't streamed like with a schedule for almost two years now, and some people still chat with me. 
and say, you know, like, hey, I missed this stream or this is cool or, or general, like not even streaming stuff, more like, how are you as a mm -hmm. person? Like, what are you doing? Oh man, you saw a picture, you went uh, hiking somewhere. What did that look like? And I'm like, yeah, I did. All right. <laughs> um, and this is the cool stuff because uh, everyone has their own life, you know, and that realization is, is real. Like we have objectives, you know, we have jobs and things. Um, and even the people who watch you sometimes, you know, they get busy, like, like best mods, subs and friends who used to watch then stopped for some reason. Maybe they, they got a family, maybe they got a new job that's really, really um, taxing. And then they come back. And that's the cool part. I love seeing people back after like a long time and just seeing like, hey, how's life? How are you? You know, and they just connect with you like a best friend would. So decision was hard to stop streaming. But as I said, the next decision was even harder as to do what to do next for me. Mm -hmm. And we will get to that. Um, to finish this, this part of your life, is there anything um, you think like, or what's something people seem to misunderstand about you as Echo Limits? Is there anything you like to say in, in retrospective um, people, you wish people would have seen about you as a person? I think this goes for almost every content creator. Um, I think people have a perception that just because you create content, just because you have X amount of viewers or followers or something, there's just success. You know, all of a sudden, where's my Bugatti? You know, like, I'm sorry, I, I don't have it parked outside because I do not own one, you know? Um, people have a, a, an idea entrenched in their minds that as soon as you have some sort of Uh, viewership, some sort of following, you must be, you must be rolling in it. And. But could you live from it? Well, time? at the time when I created content, mm -hmm. barely, but mm -hmm. I did, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and this is a, this is a two point front. You know, you really have to be good at the business of video games. And I've always understood that I wasn't good at this part. You yeah. Know, what what would you have changed? Well, that, that's a good point. What would, if you look back now, is there anything you would have changed? Oh, I mean, there's plenty I would have changed, right? Um, Give me the level examples. of professionalism in my mm -hmm. streams, okay. I would have changed. Um, level of professionalism in my business, I would have changed. And most of the time, this either equates to you being a better manager of yourself and your own self-worth and what you have to offer, or actually even having a manager. You know what I mean? Um, and these are, these are the points that aren't hmm. easy because... Um, outsourcing? I mean, like, outsourcing, I mean, it's not so much. I mean, like a lot of people have agents. Like I speak to agents daily, like, you know, when I, where I work with, mm -hmm. uh, indie games and try to market them. Um, and that's something that is very helpful to content creators who don't want to do this part. Like I never had the, um, inner love for the, the grind in this aspect. I, I just loved turning the stream on and connecting with people. That does not equate to a Bugatti, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot more to it, definitely. And so if if I had to give some um, insight to like people who want to know me more, you know, mm -hmm. I would say curb your your level of success. You know, I'm just a guy who lives in an apartment, who has a, a job and who lives life simply like everyone else, you know, and 
I think some streamers, some YouTubers have crazy success and they like to show it off and all this stuff. But I, from what I've met, 99% of creators are normal people making normal livings or have other jobs, you know, mm -hmm. that support their dream of just full-time consecration. Um, there's just a huge disconnect. Yeah. Yep. Um, Broken said it very well here. The reality of most creators is so different from what is shown online. Um, yep. And the the thing that gets me, and, and Mizu, we talked about this, the, the biggest uh, things that impact mental health of mm -hmm. people is that we have social media, and social media is a trap. The trap mm -hmm. of social media is that you look at everyone else's, they're having a great time, and I'm not. You know, wow, this guy's a private jet. Wow, this guy's gold chain is like thick as heck. You know, I mean, oh wow, he's got a million subs. You know, like also like this this thing like, what do you show from yourself? How much do you show from yourself? How how do you want people to see you? And I mean, we all dealing with that, I guess. You know, you don't want to show everyone, you know, everything. Mm. Um, but in the end, this is also something I think which can affect your mental health. Because because if you don't feel yourself and you try to be somebody else, then you disconnect from your inner inner self, right? Right. So um, I think to find a balance there is very difficult for some for people for everyone probably. And, um, and I think the the other uh, the other point to that argument is um, what I would like people to know about equal limits versus uh, not is that at the same time you know when you turn on a camera. And, or someone's watching, you're you're aware, you know. So, like the persona of top five in USA is is a very funny thing, right? Because top five of what? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it was a it was a great joke, but at the same time, like I, there used to be a leaderboard for Battlefield Four, and and I don't know where, where I was on some score. Like I played the game longer than most people, so there you go, you know. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it just seemed to anger people in in many ways, and. Like, that's not the intention. The intention is just, it's a click grabber, you know? Um, but people, people, I think, hone in on certain things. And I think that if you look at the, if you slow down and say, I'm not going to let small things anger me. I'm going to understand why they are there. And in therefore, like, a clickbaity title shouldn't get you so mad. Like if you, uh, I remember the time when YouTubers were making clickbaity titles on their on their videos, and they still are very clickable, you know. But I remember times where people were just like up in arms against these people, like "Wow, clickbait!" I, I vote down the video, whatever. Like, don't watch it. Don't interact. I mean, a sign of maturity is if you see someone doing something really, really dumb, move on, right? And that's one of those things where I feel like um, the misconception about echo limits is number one, just because you have a hundred thousand followers on Twitch does not equal to a paycheck of a million dollars every single day. <laughs> um, and the number two is, is, you know, understand that there's a certain level of showmanship, you know, you, you put out, I am who I am. And Echo Limits is an extension of that, but at the same time, it's also more entertaining. Mm -hmm. 
Damn, I had three questions when you were talking and all are gone Sorry. right now. No, it's, I know we have a question. It's, no, it's, it was so great what you said. And my, my mind was just, you know, popping from one side to the other. Like, um, but I think we will just pick it up on the way. Like expectations is definitely a big thing you, you picked yep. up in the front. And, um, and I don't know if you saw this tweet I retweeted today. I, I saw this, um, Reddit, um, post from, Be I hope I pronounce him right. Ben Walkie. Ben Walkie, mm, this okay, uh, producer, I know manager, right? EA producer from, I think from Star Wars Battlefront. He, he yes. Was. So, um, and he posted a really interesting um, article. I really recommend everyone of you to read it. If you didn't see it, just check on my Twitter profile. I posted it there. And I think it, it, it was directly what you said, expectations. And people have mm. expectations for everything these days. And, and yep. they feel... Um, what is the right word? Ob obliged? No. Everyone thinks they can, you know, can have an opinion on everything. Like, I feel right. everyone thinks today, you know, they know how to do marketing. They know how to do uh, game development, you know? And in the end, it's... <laughs> We are not working there. We don't know how their how everything works together and comes together. Um, you know, here's the thing. Uh, if I had to chime in on this, is we're living in a, an incredible time where the amount of educated people is more than it's ever been on this earth. People are very negative about the times and X, Y, and Z, but education has come such a long, long way from what it used to be. Education used to be for the rich. We can we get we educate even the poor. I've I was a teacher in an inner city, educating kids who were working to keep the lights on from their mom. And this kid was brilliant. He would still come after school and help other kids. I ended up giving him my DS because I just felt so bad. You know what could I do? But at the end of the day, um, it's this piece that's an interesting pivot for me is that with so many educated people, we have so many opinions. What separates these people from educated and um, active, I would say, is not a lot of people execute. This is the por portion. Um, we have a lot of opinions. We have a lot of things to say, great debates on Reddit, you know, like mind chess on Reddit, like people who will mind freak you like by their logics and you're just like, yeah, yeah, you got me good. But here's the deal. What did you do with that brain of yours? How are you making this world a better place? How did you help Battlefield? If this is the game that you love to complain about and you have mind chess about like, oh, you know, the, the game should have respawn timer uh, set to 20 seconds. And then there's like a whole Reddit field about like, oh, this is the reason why I'm like, great. Now what? I just feel if you think you're intelligent enough to have an opinion on something and you take ownership for that, you should take ownership also for being wrong. And that's the thing. Nobody takes that. Everyone can bark out and say and complain about something. But when it turns out you're wrong, nobody's speaking up any anymore. Yeah, but here's the thing, right? Like, <laughs> it's like how, how are you wrong? I mean, are we ever wrong? No, no, no. Okay, okay. Then it is more about we, we, we have to form a way to have a discussion in a way where we still talk with respect to each other. Look, I know the, the biggest okay, problem it's, it's, I found. Okay, when, when I spoke to really, really high level players for Battlefield that were very good on PlayStation, you know, or Xbox or PC, mm -hmm. is many of them thought that their their opinion matters more because they are good and, players. Yes, mm -hmm. and and I hate to tell it. 
but no. Mm-hmm. And the players who pick up the game first time ever are not wrong when they say, man, I, I played Battlefield and there are too many tanks. And then a, a Battlefield veteran will come in and say, you're stupid. You don't you go back to Call of Duty. You don't even know that tanks are in the games. And in World War II, there were these kind of tanks. And this is what they did. Right. Like you're not wrong. The other person is also not wrong. Mm-hmm. The point is, is to get input from more and you can start to generalize what could be good for games. I think mm-hmm. the problem like is the problem is is EA. This is this is the downfall of Battlefield Five. This was the dark ages of yes. Battlefield. Was let's jump into that. Was <laughs> was EA wanted to satisfy everyone. They listened to everybody. They said the same mentality, and they said no one's really wrong. But we're gonna put them all into one place, and that's wrong. You know, you have a, a huge game with millions of players worldwide. All you need to do is segment this section and offer each piece to each of those people. You know, when you try to please everyone, you please no one. You know, mm-hmm. that's the idea. Uh, and they tried to please everyone with Battlefield Five. ended up pleasing no one. And it was one of those, like, games that you look at, like, with my game developer hat, I look at it and I see, hmm, there's just too many people with too many ideas and everybody's just kind of, like, half-assing it. You know, it felt like with Battlefield Five, it felt like there the developers were not working in the end together on the same goal. It felt like no. everyone was working on something, but there was yes. no red line, uh, which was going to to a good direction in the end. When you, I mean, they're great developers. Everyone over there yes, is talented. And they do absolutely. They do their best. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just such a massive game means everyone has to come together. A lot of time has to be given to it. A lot of effort. I just think the decision-making, you know, you, you biggest thing is scope creep. That's, that's the, like a ugly child of game development, indie or triple doesn't matter. You can scope creep crazy things. And for those people who don't know what that is, it's just basically, yes, please you, explain. I was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, for those of you guys, like, uh, this is something that I've learned now being in closer to development of games is we all have great ideas. And this is, again, my my point was that you have great ideas. Implementation is key. You know, not a lot of us actually act out on these ideas. You know, I have a million dollar idea and I'm going to make socks that shine. Cool, man. But you haven't done them. You know, like you haven't done them. No one's gone and done them. And no, there's no socks that shine. I don't know. But this is the point is, is even in video games, it's like you have a game like Battlefield and you have millions of ideas and a lot of people involved and they all want to make the game better or, or like what they think. And the, the point there is, is that when you, when you have so many people involved, you just have a lot of people to say no. And so even it looked like in Battlefield 5, like a lot of ideas got developed and not to completion because someone said, oh, no, don't do that. And it's just too many people, not enough, um, not enough like cohesion, like, you know, mm-hmm. centered. So scope creep is just about this implementing ideas. And eventually, like if you had to implement every good idea you heard on the internet to make the best game ever heard of, right? Like if you, if you had done like a, a hundred thousand polls and you get all those answers, you're going to be making game, that game for the next 30 years. Just look at Star Citizen, right? How long is that game going to be in development? And will it ever be done? I don't think so. Hmm. Um, 
I was I was thinking what you said. I mean, the other thing is if you have an AAA game and anyone has an idea to implement something, it's not like you just click on it and implement it. You have legal, you have uh, UI design, you have you have so many different parts of of teams working on one idea. Let's for example, the game thrower on Battlefield One. Uh, the flamethrower. What did I say? The game thrower? <laughs> yeah, flamethrower. The flamethrower. Um, so I, I'm just saying, if you want to implement a new idea in normally in, in this kind of a game, it's uh, it's not like we just, you know, go for it. Normally, uh, there are a couple of different teams working on that idea. Yeah. Um, and it's from the story, from the narrative side to actually to the implementation. And it takes it takes a lot. But I think for with Battlefield Five, do you remember... Do you remember as an EA game changer when you uh, all have seen? Have you have all seen the presentation together? How was it? I mean, I don't know. Was it like their trailer? Have you seen it together? Were you invited? Um, um there were different levels of EA game changers. Um, There's different events like Battlefield Five related. I remember just going to Sweden to capture some footage. Um, of Battlefield Five. Of Battlefield Five. Yep. And even then, it was like really, really rough looking. And it was just like, well, you also have your rose-colored glasses on, right? Because explain this, instance, please. I think that's this, interesting. <clears throat> this is like a a good good tidbit for those people who are Battlefield fans and um, they they have understanding what EA game changers are, right? Mm -hmm. Like, um, it's. I think this is a there. There were a lot of good opportunities there, and, and I'm always happy that I had those opportunities and um, being able to travel and see games and actually sit down and help devs, you know, like, but it's very limited, you know, um, there's just, it's not easy to coordinate so many people to give feedback for instance. How many people were there? I mean, lots, right? You have YouTubers, Twitch streamers. Yeah, but what's lots? Know, Are but, we talking about 20, 50, 100, 200? Oh, easily thousand. over 50, easily over 50, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but the basic gist is, is that like a new game is a new game. People get excited, like a new franchise, um, or actually, it's it's even more exciting when you have a continuation of a franchise. So when Battlefield Five was coming out, everybody was already tired of Battlefield One. You know, it was been two years, mm -hmm. um, and if you guys remember, I loved Battlefield One, but the DLCs as they came out, worse and worse and worse, progressively worse. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was one of those other frustrations with the game itself is that how are these DLCs getting worse and worse and worse? And I think it's because the, the dev teams were being moved onto the next game. But again, that's just poor planning in, in some sort of support for the game or it, the incentive, right? Like money incentivizes development, right? I mean, at the end of the day, th this is another expectation, Right, like talking back to expectations as gamers, we especially fans of franchises, we have expectations that man, I've supported this game and uh, I want the next game to be great and I want DLCs to come out and I want them to be free or I have pre premium or whatever else. And we as gamers demand, and it's a good thing, there should be some sort of demand from these developers, but at the same time. When there isn't money being funneled from these demands, there's very little incentive to actually deliver. And so, like, you look at EA and it downscaled BF1 DLCs. Like, the first DLC had, like, 
two operations, four maps, a behemoth, and all this extra extra stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. The second one had less. Then by the time the fourth one came out, it was like two maps and maybe a new horse or something. Like, hey, new um, horse. I mean, yeah, I mean, like you had a little javelin guy. You know, that was kind of new. But like it was, it was bare bones. When were you, you know? there, Fergan? Just uh, Fergan asked in between. When were you there? Uh, when was I where? I think in Sweden. She asked about like when were you there, Echo? Was I don't remember. February for Battlefield Five. She was there. No, no, no. This was this was like close to the game coming out, October, so was... November. Squid, I said. Uh, What was a good studio you went to? I managed to go to Square Enix in London, only place for me. Oh, I've never really dabbled visiting too many studios. Like, to be honest, like, the studios that I've sat and just visited are, uh, they were ones in Slovakia. I've met uh, quite a few developers there. Um, And right here, local to New York, like uh, the indie development scene, they have like this really cool place called Gumbo. Um, Pretty awesome. Playcrafting as well is a nice place to meet developers. And you meet people with small projects, small passions, but um, cool stuff, you know? And Mm -hmm. just being able to chat to developers and see what they need and how um, you may be able to help them in some sort of way. Or um, sometimes, like, I'll do um, just ways to play their game and give them some feedback on what I think the game is, where is it heading, how it can improve. Those kind of developer visits were were kind of cool mm-hmm. um we do you think like um there will be a change now with the new ea create a network program like uh, is there a change happening or is it just a name change like from the ea game changing program to the ea create a network oh i i imagine it's going to be something different than what what the game changer program was um you know it's a fine line it's a fine line of marketing and influencer marketing because at but not every point, creator is also an influencer right right and the whole the whole influencer man i mean it's it's such a weird weird word because um most creators don't measure their influence and this is this is a like if you're speaking as a if you listen to me as a as a creator one of the things is me as a marketer um i i connect with is you know, how do you know your influence, right? Because in marketing, the most important thing is, is ROI. Like I have X amount of money, I can spend it on you, uh, on you or someone else, but I need to show that this is going to lead to some sort of success for the game. And I need to be able to measure it because you're not always going to be right. Sometimes you're going to make an activation or an ad campaign and you're going to lose that money, but that's marketing. Um, the the part about influencer marketing is is a lot of people are afraid to find out their own information of how influential they really are mm-hmm. and what is the price of that um i mean this is this is one of those things where a good influencer will know and start to understand and be able to offer some some idea or numbers And a starting out influencer, an uninformed influencer, is avoiding this question. Mm -hmm. 
We will get back to that a little bit later, especially when we talk about um, how you get into marketing and what you do as one of the partners um, of Tilt. Um, but before we go there, is there anything you would like to see now with your experience as an EA game changer with a new EA creator network where you think they should improve something? Well, I mean, uh, I like the fact that they they removed the name Game Changer because uh, <laughs> I feel like these big AAAs, they make goofy, goofy taglines, right? Mm -hmm. Game Changer. Really? I mean, if Broken Machine is sitting in here, right, I can only point to one time I actually said something to a developer and Broken ha was sitting next to me. We had a, a conversation with a developer. I have no idea what his name is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But it was at a it was at that Sweden event and we were at the hotel lobby and I noticed everybody was just chilling with a drink in their hand and they were kind of circling this one person. And so I just sat there and we just started talking about Battlefield because, hey, that's what I love. I could talk about it for days. Um, and ultimately, me and Broken were really, really big fans of consoles. And uh, I know he plays on everything. I still stay on my PlayStation. I'm excited that um, PS5 is doing well. You know, I, I just love the console space. Um, and there was something that, that was near and dear to my heart is, you know, aim assist. And I've always said that let people customize is the best option. Um, when you force people to do something, that is, the, that is a limited option. And at that time, um, we had in Battlefield 1, I believe it was, It was only either you turn on slow down or you turn it off. Mm -hmm. And then, and I was speaking to the guy. I was like, man, why don't you guys just make it a slider? Like, let people decide how much aim assist they want. And Broken was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Like, and we, were, we had a discussion with him. And eventually, um, that made it into the game. And I want to say like eight months later, mm -hmm. I made it into Battlefield Five or something. Uh, I mean... This but was, I mean, yeah, also these a, things take time sometimes. Also, yes, because of various it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I guess I was speaking to the right person. Had I said that to Jeff Braddock and he took down some notes and eventually fed it to some person somewhere down the line, it, it would never get been lost. in the game. It so, would never okay, be in the game. So let's pick that up. Do you think that you you would wish for a way that if EA Game Changer have a request that there is a better system of getting the information to the white people. No, but I mean, it shouldn't be a game changers. I mean, it's a nice way to funnel opinions because we listen to so many right. people who play. We, so we could um, make another system, like a third-party system. I mean, why can't you make the change? Why can't uh, Sawtooth75 make the change? I mean, what makes me more special? I don't understand. I'm just another dude playing Battlefield. But the point is, is that the idea that people came to me or other creators... The fact that, you know, EA likes taglines and big companies do this goofy tagline crap is like, oh, yeah, these guys are EA game changers and they're great. And we give them trophies at the end of the year. Like, what? You know, mm -hmm. like this is a little bit of out of touch. This is like that Pepsi commercial with whatever her name was, you know, like I'm going to stop all this violence with a Pepsi can, you know, <laughs> like, no, you know, it's a little out of touch. And I love the fact that they're learning from it. As EA is moving forward, um, closing on a game changer program, making a creator program, that's all it is. It's a creator program. It's great. Mm -hmm. It gives good opportunities for uh, growing creators, uh, big creators to uh, either give input or uh, because 
you know, you look at the input that you can, it's, it's hard because if you tell a community manager something, by the time he makes a report, by the time like it goes to like his higher up, that higher up's higher up, then it comes down the other line, you know, for the project managers and X, Y, and Z. There's just a, it's like seven people who can say no, you know, and that's why things don't get implemented. So number one, that to me is a good change. Um, but uh, I, I don't know much about this creator program because I'm not in it as far as I know. Um, I haven't applied. I haven't questioned and asked because I don't make content, you know, so. Um, I think all oh. yeah, all uh, yeah, game changes. I mean, you're still an EA game changer. can just log in right now. But that's that's another mm -hmm. thing. At that time, what what was expected from you versus what did you expect from yourself to do? Was that ever clear, like, communicated? Uh, for being an EA game changer? Mm -hmm. No. Uh, there was never anyone said, hey, you got to do a live stream. Hey, you got to do a video. No, I mean, that's not properly how should how they should do it anyways. I mean, um, creators should have their freedom, right? right. Yeah, no, I mean, the program was a fine line, you know, because, you know, legally and everything else, and EA mm -hmm. makes sure they do things legally correctly. Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. It was a good opportunity for creators to see things, um, to give some input, but it was very limited. You, the, I, the, the idea of it, um, changing games, not accurate. I think what it's, it is now is more accurate. And, and like naming something or the way things look is, are important, right? Like accuracy matters because that forms opinion. So in general, um, this, is, this is one of those things where... Um, it's a step in the right direction, you know, but the, we once spoke about something called um, the best community in the world, right? Yeah, I know I get blown up all the time. I, there's nothing I can do about that. This, you guys hear that? Yes. Uh, it's my, I, I, everything's on silent, but my watch is not. Maybe, maybe I put my watch in silent. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> do not disturb one, for one hour. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about that. I mean, I can't believe you, you know, I'm using a, a desk mic. I mean, It's it's not really a live stream um, setup. I, I want to um, pick up uh, some of the comments quick in the chat. And then I think it's mm -hmm. also a great point to talk about the next part, Battlefield Community. So Thoto said um, he wished they would actually add people that manage communities like Facebook groups, events. Um, then he said ideas and discussions get collected by social all the time. You just don't see it. Of course, I, I'm not expecting they are not looking at it or not collecting anything. Sotos, don't get me wrong. Um, yep. used to they, do that they have, they have but I imagine they have more not a personal touch to collecting this data it's, it's more actual like um, programs you know doing this kind of stuff AI mm -hmm. machine learning you know um, I mean I work for a indie um, publisher this is not EA level you know mm -hmm. and we have computer programs so these guys must have AI. I think I think in point of community management, um, not community management, sorry, but I think in in point of community work, I feel why don't they like? Okay, we don't even know yet if there will be uh, platoons, a possibility to make a platoon on the next battlefield, right? Which that would I, be a mistake, huge mistake if they don't have that. Yeah, I think so too. But I mean, okay, let's say we have it again. Let's hope we have it again. Um, and as we all see, toxicity 
within communities, it does it doesn't matter which game it is is an issue, right? Yes. Um, and in my experience, hey, from from my own platoons um, I have built so far, is you can't have a platoon without toxicity. I'm always I always laughed so much when I got the message from somebody who tried to recruit me and the second sentence was like, hey, join my platoon and we have no drama going on. I promise there's no toxicity. And I was always like, mm -hmm. mm. like, I, it's just not happening. You will always have that one way or the other. It's, it's human. You have some person coming in, they're making trouble. But the question is, yeah. how do you deal with it? And, and I felt many times that the communities, the platoons, um, have a problem with building up leadership who are able to deal with that toxicity. Um, and that's normal because, you know, how do, how should you know? I mean, are you, you know, we are all, th these are all people who are doing that in their free time. They have, right. you know, they, they, they don't know how to deal with toxicity in a professional way. So I'm thinking, do is you, it you know, what is my recommendation to indie developers who face this kind of problem? Please, that was my question. <laughs> Get rid of them. Of, of the toxic of people. people. Sure. Drop them ASAP, no questions asked, nothing. Well, Don't that's what most people option. do. But you know what happens then with these people? They just jump but to next community and do the bullshit again. Then, you know, if a, if a community manager or a game developer is not smart enough, uh, or I wouldn't say smart enough, uh, informed enough to know about these things yet, they will eventually. Mm -hmm. Um you can't, you know, like as a teacher, you know, even when I made content, I always had this, my teaching heart in it. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I want to help people, all this extra stuff. But I learned you can't help people. You can't help everyone. Um, and, and the best help is inner help, right? You have to seek this help from within you. Um, and you have to be accepting of receiving help. So, the people who are toxic um, and, you know, like, for instance, in Tilt Games, we just published a game called Run, Prop, Run. It's a mm -hmm. prop hunt, you know, self-promotion. Yeah. Um, it's a prop hunt, free-to-play. <laughs> and so with a free-to-play online multiplayer prop hunt game, um, you're going to have toxic people. They join Discord or, uh, you know, are in a game or whatever. Um, we straight up kick everybody. No questions asked, no whatever. I mean, the mods just kind of need to have like a proof of what this person did. And that's it. Because these people... You didn't follow the rules, so go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, and, and then they could have said, you know, here's the thing, like you could have had a bad day, you could have X, Y, and Z. Like, sure, we all have bad days, but we just don't have to act on them. That's the part of growing up and getting older and being more mature is... Um, I have a bad day, but I don't take it out on someone else. You know, I reflect, mm -hmm. I sit down and have a piece of coffee or something, sit at the park and say, man, this day sucked, you know, like, and then that's it. Man, I'm not going to go brutal. in and make there are your no day second work. chances. <laughs> Why? Uh, you, you know, I don't know. I, I give my kids have, second chances. <laughs> you, you know, you do that. Sure. But um, I, I say I see where you're space. coming from. I see where in, you're coming from. In this space, you can't give second chances because second chances means that now you have 10 or 15 minutes that you have to figure out and talk to this person. When you have a two-person development team making a video game. You don't have the right? time to act we on everything. We have a community manager that's working part-time. Mm -hmm. You have myself as an influencer manager that's uh, trying to get people in there. I have, I have more important things to do than deal with some persons having a you're bad right. day and maybe they're 15. And I have to now explain to them like what is grown-up life. I can't. You can't. And 
the old me would have tried. The new me who understands this says sorry. This yeah. person will learn eventually and will I'm find too naive. Their way. I'm too naive. I, I always try to see It's not it's your good heart. And I am naive too. You know what I mean? And this is because good people look at this world in a different light. Hmm. But at the same time, I'm now more careful of how I spend my time. You know? I think that's that's a that's a, that's an important point. Is is that a general thing you learned over the time? Like uh choosing your friends wisely to also for your mental health and inner peace? Yeah. Um friendships, relationships, game time. You need to make make time because this is the one thing we'll never get back. Money comes, money goes, you know. Um friends come, friends go, relationships come and go. You know what I mean? Um but time never so you have to always ask yourself, what am I doing today? Um, why is this worth my time? And if it isn't, start making changes. Mm-hmm. You're in a bad relationship, get out. You're uh, someone's a, being a bad friend, and just because you've been friends for 10 years, that doesn't mean a thing. You don't owe this person anything. That person doesn't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. And that's life. You know, getting older, more mature, understanding, same thing. You know, look, I love Battlefield franchise. I, I made a, a channel based on Battlefield. Battlefield 5 was just not worth my time. Sorry. I was disappointed with them, but they don't owe me anything. Mm-hmm. And in turn, I don't owe them anything. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. And I'm sure that if they make a good Battlefield, this next one's coming out. Um, I boot it up and I play that. Is it? I enjoy it. <laughs> I make content. Maybe I do. You know, Um and this this is the biggest realization is as you get older, you, you start to find this within yourself, within the people you connect with, is that it's there's a sense of beauty in the fact that if you live life and you know that EA doesn't owe you anything, like, oh, man, I was a game changer. Now they have to put me in the next program. Mm-mm. But if I don't expect it, EA doesn't even expect content from me. And eventually I end up loving the game. The game is great. And people do return. And I don't know. I, I start making content. The the idea that would be amazing is that if we reconnect again as a company or as a creator and things are positive, you know, mm-hmm. um, even within the content creation space, creators come, creators go. Certain, certain people stop streaming, certain people restream again. Like I was watching on YouTube, one of the oldest YouTubers I know, um, he did Equals 3. Man, uh, what's his name? Fudge me, I don't remember. Uh, Ray William Johnson, and he's he's doing like TikTok shorts on on YouTube. You know, like uh, I don't think he puts them on TikTok. He just kind of comments that way. The dude is forty because I saw one of his TikToks. But seeing him again after like ten years making content, still funny, still being him, was mm-hmm. awesome. Being himself. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. It took him that long to come back to content creation. Equals 3 was so awesome, but he left it. I don't know if you know this YouTuber. He was very no. famous. He's one of the first big YouTubers um, ever. But um, his channel completely shut down, like just mm-hmm. because he just didn't feel like it anymore. But these, yeah. are, these are like the concepts of... You coming back, Echo? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to uh, state... Any statement? Uh, what's wrong with forty? No, I mean it's just <laughs> very good. <laughs> right? uh, this is this is me diverting attention to the next question. 
<laughs> All right. Um, to close this, I, uh, guys, we have only 30 minutes uh, left to go. So I would like to talk so much about Battlefield 2042 today. But um, unfortunately, today we don't have the time. But maybe we get Eric another time. We get him in here and then we dig I deeper mean, a little bit into I, it. Okay. I will just make a comment here is um, wait and see. This is the best thing you can do about Battlefield 2042. Um, this There's a lot of stuff that I'm like scratching myself on. You know, I'm like, well, no beta push back again. What, what are you what are you scratching yourself on? Well, what's the stuff? I mean, which, what's just scratching? There's a lot of repeats of Battlefield Five vibes. You know, secrecy. Mm, usually, EA does not build up secrecy. Usually, that means the there's something wrong with the game, with the product itself. Mm-hmm. So, um, I just wait and see now. Like, of course, I'm buying it. You know what I mean? I'm gonna make my own opinion. I'm not gonna read a bunch of things because, like, Battlefield Four was a buggy mess. Battlefield Three was a buggy mess. I don't care about bugs. I, I play I play so many indie games um, with bugs that are phenomenal. Like I don't care. I'll play them again, and I, and I tell developers, "You, you, oh man, this what you got going on. This is gonna be great." And here's how you can fix it. And you fix the bugs later. Um, that's the point. I love Battlefield Four to death. I love Bad Company One to death. Those are my favorite battlefields. Um, but they were buggy. There's a lot of crap in there, unbalanced, but they were fun. So if Battlefield 2042 comes out, it's buggy, I'm cool with it. But it needs to be fun. Do you think people are oversensitive about Battlefield being buggy sometimes? Yeah, I, I think so. I would share that with you. Um, because, you know, everyone thinks that they're a game developer all of a sudden. You know, like they could yeah, do better. That's what yo, I said. Yo, then do it. You know, and that's yeah. the point. Yeah, they're not. Because, you know, like it's crazy. <laughs> I couldn't even you know? implement my fucking intro today. <laughs> <laughs> All mean, right. <laughs> it, 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 we'll call happens. it a bug. That yeah, was a it, bug, right? Ah, yes. Of course. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll get that bug next time. Um, we'll see. I, I, my only, my only mm. sentiment on that is Battlefield 2042. Uh, I, wish, I wish it the best, right? I'm going to buy it. Uh, I'm just that kind of a hardcore fan. Um, and I hope it's fun. Oh, it will be fun. It has to be fun. I'm waiting. Actually, I am waiting since Battlefield 4 for Battlefield 2042 because I wasn't just, I mean, I'm German, you know, I already said mm. that. So Battlefield 1 and 5 just wasn't for me. Mm. I wanted a modern Battlefield again. Um, I have one last question about community um, because you have uh, communities in general, because you have more experience as you support, you know, indie devs with their projects. Do you see like um, if you compare with the Battlefield community to other gaming communities, what are the do's and don'ts you see? What are the differences, the positive and the negative, if you compare the Battlefield communities to other communities? And to round yeah. that up, how could the Battlefield community grow, uh, improve or learn from other communities? I would say, number one, um, there's a lot of top-down level community management in big corporations. And what I mean by that is, is it's not really... Um, like Jeff Braddock or whoever's doing the community management now, Benoit, I think. Um, it's not him coming up with an idea, going up and then getting approval and come down. It's more like up. Like there's some sort of a senior manager and he's like, how do we uh, increase um, community management engagement? Oh, I know. Let's call ourselves the best community in the world. It has to be true if I say it, right? And we give them dog tags, right? Wrong. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, the reality is, is like you, you, they have too many taglines. It, it becomes so formulaic. It becomes so. 
jump back jump jump yeah jump back to that why is it wrong what what, what is wrong for you it's inauthentic a community has to grow within your game how do you make a community guess what you make a platoon system you let you create a space where people can be a community you don't label it a community you can't come up to my house and put on my door a sticker that says democrat you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. maybe i am maybe i'm not but like don't make me part of something i don't label me you know like so anybody who just buys battlefield 5 all of a sudden is the best community in the world like oh wow wait i got a dog tag right like Mm -hmm. that's top down goofy inauthentic wrong i build communities for indie games what we do it is we build from ground up you get people who are excited about your game. You get them motivated. You give them a space to talk about your game. You give them a voice within your game. You change things according to them within your game. And that's how you build a community. Battlefield created its own community in its own place, online, on web forums, on web places, platoon places, platoon websites. All they did, the best thing that they did for this franchise is have these spaces available, battle log, other stuff community places, community tools. When they took all that away, then they slapped um, best community in the world. Who who did they end up fooling? Mm-hmm. All the old school community people stayed in and, you know, were passionate about because they got grabbed into the community before any of this corporate goofy crap. The new people, how many people from who started in Battlefield 1 or Battlefield 5 are around around like that? As, as communities grow. Have, have any new communities grown since then? Like new big platoons? My, my hunch, my guesstimate will be very small number compared well, to what it used to be. You don't even know, right? Do you? I mean, can you even tell right now? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I haven't looked. I have, honestly, my ear to the ground to what happens in this community um, is, also, is like, very... Also, the, the funny thing is about what you said about the best community in the world. There are two things. First off, I think it's a way of polarization. And in general, I I just don't like the idea of polarization because that's what you've seen. Every kind of problem, if it's COVID, if it's Trump, if it's whatever yeah. it is. It's like your mom telling you, you're, you're so smart. You know, it's like you're going to be a doctor or something like that's it. The equivalent of that. It, also, it's about being right and wrong. You know, you're, mm, you're not true. you're not for it, so you're against it. Um, and it, it's not that black or white all the time, you know. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, if something goes wrong, and they're also like kind of, I feel like they kind of shoot their, themselves in, the, in their own foot with that, is um, <laughs> when Battlefield Five didn't go the way they hoped for, um, and, and then people, you know, getting toxic because of that game, whatever, and then it's suddenly all over the place, you know. Ah, yeah, it's the best community in the world, right? Um, Battlefield 5 went exactly how they wanted it to go. Okay. (laughs) But you know know, what I'm I'm saying, right? It's like it's... Putting out a a potato and then hoping like, man, I hope someone buys this watermelon. It's like, man, keep dreaming, you know? Like people, people see it. You know, they will see it for what it is. They know what product they have, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Community-wise, it's different when it comes to indie space. Of course, there's much more scrutiny in the large space. I think I think the biggest joke was like, 
you know, when Battlefield One's player numbers went down to like twenty thousand concurrence or something like that, or thirty, and it went from two hundred and you know, content creators, some content creators, you know, informatively mm-hmm. made videos because that is what they do, um, and then you know, even people look at these things and they're like, wow, twenty thousand players, you know, dead game. Man, if my indie game had twenty thousand players concurrently playing it right now, I would be the happiest clown ever. You know, like people people have a misconception in their minds. What is success? Mm-hmm. Ten thousand people, five thousand people playing your game concurrently is mm-hmm. success. Is success? Mm-hmm. You I know, see, so I see what you mean. Yeah, uh, um, I, I think opinions are skewed. Let's let's jump into marketing. Um, sure. How how did you when you stopped streaming? Did you immediately had this plan? You want to get into marketing, or how did it happen? How did you get into? I mean, I think you got a few other jobs before you got partner of Tilt Games, um, right? So I mean, as I told you in the beginning of the podcast, you know, stopping streaming was is is a huge decision. Um, the next part of my life was pretty dark because without content creation. Um, my family, you know, my father passing away was, was huge. It was the next few months were just the dark ages of Echo Limits. You know, it was just sitting in my father's house, kitchen, all lights off on my laptop, maybe playing some magic gathering, sitting doing nothing for, for a few months. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, sometimes you have to do nothing to find out what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took some time off and it was, it was a deep sadness in my own state but um it's almost like a computer you turn you shut down and you restart because you, you know your 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 processes have become corrupt or like things aren't just working out anymore you have to shut down you have to restart that's that's sometimes it's good to have that um so then i i kind of stayed in slovakia for a while and i know that there's a video game development community there because i've met previously with some people there And uh, eventually, uh, I went to some shows there. I went to Prague to some other shows, and I got in touch with a studio called Studio Seven Two Seven, and they were they did some amazing work for photogrammetry. Um, photogrammetry, for those people who don't know, is employed even in new battlefields. That's how they get this photorealistic graphics to be inside the games. Um, yeah. You just take a, a crap ton of pictures, uh, and then you 3D model it. And you scale it down and you deliver it to uh, studios. And basically what happens is um, a lot of these assets like cars, guns, and things um, are done by other companies than the actual companies making the games. So, for instance, um, this is something I guess I can say because uh, um, Studio 727 modeled a lot of cars and guns for Modern Warfare, yep. Cold Duty Modern Warfare. Okay. And when you think about it, that's a huge project mm-hmm. for a company from Slovakia to be doing. And um, I connected with them. I did business development for them for a little bit, uh, basically trying to help them. Okay. Quick, quick, just a question out of nothing, um, because you said that. I'm, I mean, I'm, I know a little bit out of the film industry now. Now in the film industry that um, big films from LA and stuff like that from Hollywood, um, they do outsourcing, especially when it comes down yep. to animations um, to East Europe. Is that the same within the gaming industry? Yes. There's a lot of outsourcing being done. Whether it is um, voice voice acting and things like that are outsourced. Um, asset creation is easily outsourced. 
voice um, acting. Porting, porting is easily outsourced. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like if you make a game for Steam and you want your game to be on Nintendo, boom, I already know somebody who can do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and for a better price than you probably could because you don't have an SDK or, you know, mm-hmm. um, or even the know-how by the time you figure out how to port things over. So there's just like a very common practice in the industry. Um, and so I got my foot in the door that way. But for those people, like, you know, when you're in a bad time and you decide, like, I want to be in the game industry, you have to just get out. Open that door. This is like back to mental mental mm-hmm. health. Mm-hmm. We, we all go through a bad time. And, and, and people need to realize that we as individuals are so much alike like everybody else. The worst right. you've ever felt in your life, I felt it, you felt it. Mm-hmm. Maybe what triggered the lowest point in your life was something completely different to you than it is to me. But it's equal in the amount of depth of feeling. And the same thing goes for the happiest I've ever been and happiest you've ever been. Because this is just max and zero. Whatever your max and whatever my zero is, it's your own thing. Um, And so for people who are like, hey, I want to be in the audio industry. Hey, I want to be in the phone industry. I want to be in the game industry. Open that door. Go out and find a place. If there's no one talking about the things that you share, you love in your own vicinity, move. Mm -hmm. Why are we so afraid of moving? Previous because we generations. Could lose what we have. I guess, <laughs> what right? do we have? Guess what? One day you die mm-hmm. and you're gonna lose what you have too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You only have one life. Yeah. Don't be afraid to move. Mm-hmm. Move for something. Move for love. Move for a career. Move for happiness. Be Go a ahead yes and man. do it. Be a yeah. yes man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, woman. Yes, man. Mm-hmm. Sure. But the point is, is I wanted to be more involved in the game industry after I stopped consecration. So I went to events, you know, in Košice in Slovakia, in Bratislava in Slovakia, in Prague in Czech Republic. Because I was at that time in Slovakia, I was waiting for, uh, what, what do you call it? Dedicke konanie, but in Teaching English. Quick, quick in a interruption here. <clears throat> Sorry. That's my voice. D King just said, like, people cannot always afford to move. And I, I, I think this is something we hear a lot. Like, but I can't. You know, I have uh, responsibilities. I don't have the money. I don't have this. I don't have that. Mm. Is it like Make that? Make it happen, Captain. That's about it. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. You have uh, the power of the mind, unlimited. You look around you, the glass you're holding right now, the microphone you're holding, that was power of thought. Someone had a thought first, put it on a piece of paper, figured out how to put it together and put it out there. The whole idea of I can't, you know, tell that to, I don't know, Henry Ford. Tell that to all these people who came as poor as they can be to whatever place they decided to go to. I don't know. Historically, Joan of Arc, a peasant woman, led an entire army. Like, you can't. Mm -hmm. We live a life of the most luxury we've any humans ever had. I mean, it's, so, it's so interesting. My kids, when they don't want to do something, they always say, like, I can't. And I always say, like, in this house, we don't say we, we can't. We say you don't want to, or right. I try. I'm, and right. it's so, it's so funny, but um, with, with kids already, and it's not that, that they can't, they just say it because they don't want to do something. Yeah. I mean, um, 
you know, there's a million million excuses. I'm not I'm not trying to be hard on on anyone here. Um, D King, I I totally get it. I grew mm-hmm. up poor myself. I, I went through different points of things going on in my life, ups and downs. Do what you can, Fergan said. That's nice. That's what my favorite quote is. Do what you can. That's interesting. Um, but you sure can. If it takes you 10 years, you still could. You know what I mean? You don't have to have a goal. There's, there's another part of like, we live a fast life now and we want that satisfaction tomorrow. Like I want to be successful tomorrow. Nah, man. And this could, this could go back to what I'm doing with Tilt Games now. Like for instance. Yes. Um, yes. So I went from business development for someone else and I realized interesting. That was a good experience. Then I went into a publishing uh, company called Grindstone and I, I did some projects with them. Right. Um, they have a cool game called Die by the Blade coming out. And when that is done, it's going to be a really cool fighting game and I will play it and buy and support the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized one thing I wanted was passionate about is building something I would own. And with Tilt came the opportunity because um, my two partners, well, there's three of us now, uh, four of us now together, but um, we connected, became friends, talked about industry experience. You know, um, Tilt started as a company that published games into Asia. So China, Taiwan, Japan, and South Korea. That, that was my first question, actually. You're focusing on the market in, in China, right? Oh, that's a hard market to focus. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, isn't that like the, the worst and dip, most difficult market to focus on? Like, why? Why did you pick that? And then again, I, how different is it from the European and the US market? So our team is split between right here in New York City and Shanghai. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my partners have deep expertise in publishing games in China. They're both Chinese-American, so they can speak both and, and everything else. But me coming onto the team wasn't to support the China publishing. Me coming onto the team was to create a global publishing and in turn um create a full strategy Mm -hmm. so i kind of sat there and i said look what do i know influencing Mm -hmm. quote unquote um that's my practice how would i envision influencer marketing Mm -hmm. and i created an influencer marketing um, strategy within a company Mm -hmm. and so the idea then became it's like well if i'm going to create something for someone i want that to be partly mine and that's, that's the motivation I would tell people. Like, you know, if you have your job, understand that whatever you do, you're helping someone else get rich. That's just life. You know, there's always a boss that makes more money than you. Then the idea becomes, become the boss. You, why not? It's scary as heck, man. Sometimes I sit here and my, my partners are saying, Eric, you know what you're doing? What, what, homie, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's true. Um, I don't have any marketing training. I just have my expertise as a creator, knowing the industry, um, knowing what people like, knowing where people are. And that's what marketing is, showing them what they like, where they are. You know, and it's not rocket science, but it is good, you know, to be trained. But I feel like, you know, if you go back to the 50s, it was more about like people got chances, like, um, Sylvester Stallone uh, pitched Rocky. He was not an actor of any renown. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-mm. He wrote that junk. I believe he wrote it and he gave it to the studio and said, you guys can have it if I'm the star. Mm-hmm. Yo, you, you imagine if anyone had the balls to do that today. Forget it. They're going to they're gonna laugh you off. They're like, no, we're going to put Brad Pitt in here. Or we're going to put uh, Matthew McConaughey in here. Like, no, right? Because I feel like the industry is getting more and more risk averse. Mm-hmm. And without risk, there isn't innovation. Mm-hmm. You well, know what I mean? What, what do you wish uh, people would know when it comes down to marketing games? Well, I think, again, it comes down to expectations. You know, like um, if I sign a, a game um, for Give me an example, maybe. Label, yeah, give me an example. Um, you know, one of the things is you're in it for the long haul. My, my, my partner likes to say, this isn't a race, it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. And this is a very cool, I would say, cultural thing you know like i'm i'm from europe i'm slovak but at the same time i grew up as an american and americans like to go gas you know you know full metal to the pedal and we're just gonna build things and break them as they go like like uh, facebook was built what did they say build now and ask questions later or something stupid Mm -hmm. that was their motto for a long time until they figured out they can't keep this motto up um but that's an american mentality uh, in Europe, I found people are more democratic. They they come collectively and they say, "What do you think?" Well, collectively, we can all decide on this and that, right? But that's Which hard. Is that's also how you a end pain up... in the ass sometimes. <laughs> exactly, that's how you end up with Battlefield Five, right? Like everyone's just, "What do you think?" Well, I like this feature, and then eventually nothing gets done. Um, but uh, Asia, Asia, quick question, is slow quick, and steady. sorry, quick quick question. Back to the marathon example. Um, when you said that, I was immediately thinking, like, could it be that game devs come to you and say, like, hey, um, I'm thinking, like, you know, I need some expertise from you about building up my strategy. And shall we just go and find some influencers and do some ads? This is, for me, an example of how, like, the opposite of a marathon. It's more like I want to put invest some money quick and get some results. Is yes. that what you're talking about? This is kind of what I'm, what I'm talking about, even within the space of um working with a a developer helping them gain some exposure and knowing that um the point is is like if i work with you to market your game doesn't mean that tomorrow you will have pewdiepie playing it yeah that stuff takes a long time to get in front of his eyes unless you got fifty thousand dollars laying around somewhere Mm -hmm. and he you You can pay him exactly you don't and on the flip side I wish that influencers would understand this more, that indie developers don't have the money to pay you $100 for your activation. Mm -hmm. They don't. If I did that with an indie budget that they have, if they even have one, Mm -hmm. I would activate two people and it would be over. That's how small indie budgets could go. Mm A couple of hundred dollars, four or five maybe. Is that like a common pool of, of problems you um, you get like yeah. uh, from the influencers or game devs? Um, yeah. The biggest challenge being in indie publishing is uh, getting as much exposure. Sorry. Hey, Dave. How you doing? Um, getting as much exposure for as little as possible, right? Like that's the challenge. That's every marketer's challenge. But um, my challenge really is working with influencers is, is uh, for them to 
be more businessy and understand like, look, your ROI, like if you can't even figure out what that is, it's, it's hard, man. Like I can't, it's not even like, I'm not trying to give you money. You know, I can't even justify that money when I go in front of my partners or the, the developers that rely on me with what they give me to deliver. And then I show them, like, I activated three streamers and I, I, for $300 and I got three sales. Mm-hmm. Like, they're going to be like, Eric, you're dumb. I don't ever want to hear and see you ever again, you know? Um, but that's reality. That's happened. But flip side has happened, too, where you have a, an activation and an, an influencer has produced quite a bit of sales. A nice blip, let's call it. Um, that's money well spent and, and a good partnership. But that's the point, right? Like if we all yeah. work together, money can be generated. Um, people can live their lives, salaries, and, and keep entertaining people, right? I like that. Taking um, said, the question I would think these days would be what makes a good game, not just something that's there on the shelf at the game shop, but a game everyone wants to play. This is a tough one. Um, if I had to answer this question, um, everybody wants to play games that are fun, first and foremost. Um, sometimes innovation can lead to a fair bit of fun. If you look like at a game called Phasmophobia, it was an indie hit um, mm-hmm. made by, I think, two or three people in England. And it was innovative because it was like playing a horror game with your friends. Um, and it was fun. Everybody flocked to it and played it. Among Us, um, Fall Guys, you know, uh, we're living in a, in a time where indie games can blow up and flourish, which is cool. That's very cool. And a lot of it has to do with influencers. They, they, big influencers picked up those games and just kind of snowballed from there. But they have to organically pick up your game. You know, getting paid to pick up your game. I mean, you look at, I think the most recent success getting big money to play some game is Apex Legends. <laughs> Apex, I mean, they, they got all the big guys, right? They had Stroud, they had Ninja, they had all these people. They came out the door swinging with a great campaign. Also, um, many people actually, even though the game is out now for a while, because of the pr- frustration with um, Call of Duty, many of the big streamers actually switched from Call of Duty now again back to Apex. Apex is the best it's, it's VR game I've ever played. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like any of the other ones. Apex was the best. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, we talked about when I stopped streaming yeah. is because I just didn't really have a game I really wanted to play. Battlefield was at a bad uh, time, and it was just it felt like the the best thing for me to do is focus on something else. Mm-hmm. That's what the feeling is. But I enjoyed playing Apex for a while, and that was like a good month. I maxed the character out. I was like a level hundred, uh, won a bunch of games with friends or by myself. But eventually, it was just like mm, there's nothing else. Like Apex to me was the best battle royale game I've ever played. I just don't enjoy battle royales. That actually um, fits very good with the question we actually didn't answer or got to. I think Squidder is not here anymore. Um, but he said, like, what game would you like to see come back or see as a new game in the future, Echo? Mm. I mean, I'm hoping for a good Battlefield comeback, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, we all do. Oli said, yeah, Oli, I, I think you're, I'm, I'm right, you're right with that, by the way. We need to see this fun factor in Battlefield yes. 2042 again, right? It has to be fun. 
mm-hmm. the focus needs to be fun. Um, going historic, there was a lot of realism that they went into, and realism isn't that fun. Like a lot of those guns in Battle for Five, for instance, they're just not fun. Like everybody loves the M1 Grand. Yeah, like ping, 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 and ching, nothing, and then a long reload animation with cool hands and all this extra stuff. That stuff ain't fun. That's true. Um, as a marketer now, would you have changed anything when it comes down to the marketing campaign of Battlefield 2042? Or um, do you uh, think... I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't pay attention even enough to make to that judgment or call. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting that you say that yet. because that's, again, a point where, fe- where I feel like everyone has an opinion on that. On the marketing? Mm-hmm. Oh, I only saw one one comment on twitter forget who it was they said something about like oh the fact that there's little marketing and you guys are still talking about the game uh means that this marketing is working i was like no you know this they said something about it's an example that that this is good marketing because everyone's talking about a game and they don't even have to say anything like no that's wrong um good marketing is battle for one what you see behind me in this picture battle for one had good marketing great trailer crazy stuff they did with that campaign i mean i remember playing the game with celebrities in la that was like the highlight of the crazy things that ever happened in my life you know hmm. like jamie fox is like a, you know right next door like like right in front of me playing on the other end you know so <laughs> you look at stupid stuff like that and that was just good good marketing like all all front. what is good marketing for you Well, I mean, if you're going to go with the numbers route, the least amount of money in, most of money out, right? Like that's that's our uh, whole explanation of effective marketing. But good marketing is authentic, um, reaches a lot of people, um, hits the hits the right notes. Like, you know, I know these are like sayings. There's not really a way I'm painting a good picture, but um, good good marketing is is authentic. It's it's makes a splash lasts a while you know what i mean that's that's the key i mean it's hard to kind of go in and say that because marketing changes from game to game console to console platform to platform it's hard it's it's a challenging job it's fun though would you agree with the sentence and i'm totally making this up now authentic marketing is is has to be holistic Holistic marketing as well. I think it's a blend. You can't you can't shoehorn one thing and expect that to be the solution. There's never a solution of one group. You know, this is why the whole um, even in the political spectrum, you have like one side versus the other, and they, they think they're right or wrong. There's no such thing. It's 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 a spectrum of all things. You know, mm-hmm. that and the marketing should be the same way. You have to cast a wide net. Um. What would you recommend indie devs um, to find the right way of marketing, also to find the right influencers or creators to work with, and how could they get the best out of their creators? You know, this is a good question, and I have a a lot that I've thought about in this space and, and spoke to um, influence, uh, in, not influencers, indie developers. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to paint you a picture of what exactly does Tilt do, is not only do we publish games, which in turn we support the developers. The, the point of having a publisher is this. 
you as a developer can now focus on making the game. Because solo devs or two team devs or three people de dev teams, you're making the game. Then you have to go talk to the community. You have to create a Discord where they're always going to be engaged. You have to go on socials. You have to go spread the word on platforms, events. If you're doing Steam events, if you're doing live events, like we did one in New York City called Play NYC, like you can't do everything. Life isn't that way. Like, you know, um, so um, as a publisher, we connect with small team. We let them focus on making a game. You worry about making a game. We do the marketing. We okay. talk to influencers. We talk to PR agencies. We talk to um, uh, actual journalists for IG and Kotaku, whatever. We explain the game to them. We do things. We, we create those campaigns, right? Um, that's one. Number two, what I do is I do influencer marketing campaigns for dev dev teams who want to remain unpublished for instance they're like no we got this we just want to reach out to x amount of influencers and so like within tilt uh, i helped create a database of like thirty thousand plus content creators mm -hmm. so we reach out to them we tell them hey here's the game this is what it's about like let me get you set up to play it try it or if there's money to play it and try it that way right um that's what I do. Now, when it comes to giving advice to people who don't want to work with me or they're just an indie developer, maybe someone watching, um, there are on the surface three things that are important when you look at a content creator. Number one, you have to identify their loyalty, their fans' loyalty, because some people just want to watch you for the fact that you play Battlefield. Mm -hmm. And if I boot up and I play um, Mario and they're just going to be not there, you know, and that makes sense because it's called TV, twitch.tv, right? Like if your favorite channel is ESPN, you're going to love sports on it. You're going to see tennis and we might watch it. Uh, but if you're a football guy, you're just always going to zone in on football. But if they're showing basketball, you're just going to turn it off, right? That's TV. This is how we're programmed. So, me, as an FPS guy, maybe people would watch me play Call of Duty or other things that shoot. But as soon as it was like something Super Mario Brothers, they'd be like, ah, mm, no, unless it's something else. So you got to look at loyalty. As an as a indie, indie dev, you know, with a small budget, that's the first thing I would look at, right? Um, you can see most content creators, their stats on lots of pages online going through data and whatnot, you can see like, hey, if you play, if I play Battlefield, I have this many people watching me. If I play, you know, origami, boom, less. So loyalty goes down. Second thing is pay attention to the email conversation. Um, because when you reach out to someone and they're quickly asking you about money, it's that that's a 50-50 in my opinion. The 50-50 is, is they just want to get paid, move on. They don't care about your game. Yeah. Or the other 50-50 is... Then it's also not um, authentic. It's also a big factor for authenticity, right? Yes, but here's the thing. like, How do they it sell it? I mean... Well, well, here's the thing. like, The other 50 is, is maybe they're just very good business savvy. And this is what you want to identify in emails. Which could be a good thing. Okay. That's a very good thing. Mm -hmm. Because a business savvy content creator knows that he needs to perform. 
to be able to deliver a nice blip on your radar for the activation because he will work with you again. Um, that person understands that he's not just there like, cool, someone is going to pay me money. They expect something from me. Yeah, that's so that's point. very important. And, then it, and, it's, and it's completely correct to have that expectation. So you get paid to play a game. You should try to deliver some sort of sales. Motivate people to uh, click that link and go support an indie dev. You, there's so many ways you can say it that don't make you look like a shill or, you know, all these other things that people like to label content creator as, you know. Um, and the third point? The third point is, is ask for a creator deck. And what do I mean by that is, is um, when someone demands a price, right? Like I never knock a content creator for naming a price. All I can tell them is, look, at this time, I cannot activate because um, our funds don't allow it. Um, so if I come up to you, you could tell me you have legit only 50 followers, mm -hmm. right? And you tell me I want $200. Mm -hmm. Like, interesting proposition. Now, if my game is a $60 game and I stand to gain $30 per sale, so and you can show me data. Mm -hmm. that you've done past activations that all 50 of your followers purchased the game. Mm -hmm. That's easy math for me to figure out if $200 is worth My, your time. Of course, but, yeah. you but they can't. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. 30 times 50. That's good money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'll give you your 200 for that. Good that you're a math teacher. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, that's the point. <laughs> is it's it's about it's about hmm. basically looking at like the creator deck is something very few creators have. Um, usually, people who are more pricey, I will ask them that, and I will say, "Hey, by the way, um, <sighs> I will say, by the way, like based on this, um, based on what." Like, you know, if you if you have something to share with me that can back up your your need, then maybe we can activate. If if not, then you know, I'm sorry, it's out of our price range. But I'll never say like, oh man, you're crazy. I found an influencer who had fifty thousand followers and, and is charging less. Because I've also had the opposite happen. Mm -hmm. I had influencers with fifty thousand followers mm -hmm. charging way less, and I saw no blip, mm -hmm. no sales. And I paid him less money than someone who had 10,000 followers, charged a little bit more, and uh, generated more sales. Are you like, then uh, looking at the data to find out why they sell more or less? Like, could, can you figure it out in the end? Or do you basically have the same strategy? The only data points, I see what you mean. The only data mm -hmm. points really in that discussion are um, loyalty. You can, you can check for the loyalty. Like, mm -hmm. that is a calculable thing based on data. Um, I don't want to bore people here, right? Like, uh, this, entertains me. Me. That this entertains me. <laughs> but uh, maybe some people here, you might not find this conversation entertaining. Ah, that's but, our problem. <laughs> okay. Um, this entertains me, and this is what I love to do. Um, yeah, you can quantify that, but you can't quantify professionalism. Okay. Professionalism is, is something that is a huge um, impact has huge impact on success of campaigns okay. when speaking with influencers. Yep. 
Sotos, by the way, had a, a question in between, I think. Ali, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not getting on your trailer thing because it will open a whole nother, whole nother thing here and a whole nother uh, box, Ali. Ali Dacian, he had a, a question about um, my name, but I already a addressed it <laughs> in the beginning of the podcast. No, he said, like, uh, Sotos said, like, I wonder how, how you do marketing for different type of consumers, like highly invested fans versus casual con consumers. How do you target fans and non-fans at the same time effectively? And I, I think it's it's very interesting that he says that because that's what we saw with the Battlefield 2042, which you actually didn't follow, you said, but they actually I did it there. I didn't see the trailer. For instance, the trailer... I'm not talking about the trailer. Um, it's marketing, but the trailer did some fan service. You know, you had the Rendezook, you know, you had things that were in Battlefield that people miss, you know, like jumping out of a, a jet and shooting a, the other I'm, jet behind you. I'm not talking about this. I think, um, okay, I'm, 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 what I'm talking about is what they did. I think what they did is um, if you, there were so many people were watching the trailer. And yes. you, if you just go on YouTube and Google a reaction trailer, and then you see so many people uh, showing their reactions, even though they are not hardcore Battlefield fans, you see like, Uh, casual cons consumers, you see highly invested fans, but you saw yes. also people who never played the game before. And I think that only happened also because they sh they were shooting out uh, tons of DMs to people to make them wear to watch this trailer at that certain point. And we caught They shot out DMs? Yes, they did. On what platform? On all platforms, on 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 Facebook, on Twitter, um, you can see it in an article J dot um, uh, posted it on how they did the marketing campaign for Battlefield 2042, and they switched their marketing campaign before they released the trailer. I think like two weeks before, and they shifted everything, and then they made this plan, this crazy plan of 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 sending out DMs with these codes and these snippets of the trailer. And first they send it out, I think, only to EA Game Changes in certain yeah. amount. And then in the second phase, they send it out to that. a lot of more people. And and that's that's what I was talking about, like holistic marketing campaigns. And I think it shifted and and um it will be you it know, is shifting right now to this. And this, I thought that was very interesting. I, I will tell you my point on this. Yes, right? please, please. That's what and I was asking. <laughs> this is the exact same thing about adding the brake light to a car. Let me explain. At first, there used to be two lights. And then they did research. And they found that people forget to see it's not clear. They added a third light in the middle. I don't know if you have that in, in Germany, but in America, they did. So now when a car brakes, you have the two lights on the sides and one in the middle. When What they saw is immediately, immediately, um, people became more aware and started stopping and, and less um, co collisions occurred. But in two years later, this, they went back to the same thing, back to the same amount of collisions. But they were like, holy crap, we had a third light. So they added a fourth light and the same effect. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. The point is, is humans get used to it. What was marketing? Marketing used to be get, in, get a mail, right? But nowadays I go through my junk mail, I throw that junk out, I don't even open it. Then came emails. Now we, we have emails, right? Like how many emails do you get? Maybe you get like 100, 200 a day. Do you really check all of them? Nope. No, I'm not There's even winning spam anything. Folder. Who goes into the spam mm -hmm. folder ever? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If it doesn't hit your inbox, goodbye. Mm -hmm. And what is the next light, quote unquote, is DMs. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times you get a crappy DM on Discord? 
Mm-hmm. Interesting. I get I get DM'd all the time by some weird bots or people trying to give me Bitcoin or something. Maybe, you know, I don't know. I have a lot of connections and friends and servers I'm in. But um, bots. So they figured out what's the most effective way to reach somebody. It's to DM them. Next mm-hmm. thing you do is you're going to be getting text messages. After that, what is the more like, you know what I mean? It's It's becoming from where we used to get information it's getting more and more uh, crowded. Once things get crowded, humans pay attention less. So I am not surprised. This is actually a good marketing point. This is exactly what I would do. Um, If I had the technology and power to do, I would do DM marketing. Now, you do risk a couple of things there. You know, like if you do mailing, email marketing is uh, built off of mailing lists. So people can unsubscribe, you know, from your mailing list. So the point is, is like if you email someone too many times, they'll ignore you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, you might also. It's a difference if it's a it's a difference if you DM somebody as being a part of a team of an AA studio or being part of a team of a two man indie dev studio. Right? Yeah, yeah, of course. I get ignored a lot more than than uh, EA would, right? Mm-hmm. But. Um, what I would wonder is how they gathered everybody's DMs. And I would imagine they, they deployed that on Facebook because people already probably follow Battlefield. Also, how many like. people do you need to pull that off? Not like many. I was I was like To pull off a DM campaign, I need give me one computer programmer who knows what he's doing. Okay. Um, I can do back that. To too. being naive again. <laughs> oh no, it's I don't know. It's I just very I was just easy thinking. to pull this stuff off. Mm-hmm. It's just a little coordination. And a good computer programmer. Like, uh, for instance, in, in Run Prop Run, the way we generated hype for the game before mm-hmm. it came out was um, we made the demo exclusive to people on Discord. So that's how we generated a community on Discord. You want to play the game? Boom. Come to our Discord. And eventually, some people stuck around who want to have a conversation about it and enjoy it and so on and so forth. Right. That is our game, Run Prop Run, right? Um, obviously you can then DM all those people because you share a um, Discord with them, right? Mm-hmm. That's the point. So maybe what they've done is they have, obviously they already have a big Discord for Battlefield and their Facebook page is probably big enough that they can actually DM from there. It's it's really smart. That's a smart move. Mm-hmm. I sent you, I, I will DM you the, the article later. I think you will find it very interesting. I really Wait. love to follow JDOT's newsletter, to be honest. I think uh, it's totally worth it. You can learn so much. Also, guys, if if you want to uh, if you want to see more about it, check out our Discord. Maybe Cylon, put our Discord link in here. Then I will put the um, the newsletter, the link of it also in the Discord again so you guys can pick it up. Um, yeah. Um, damn, we went, we went through much oh, today. Oh, it was just on Twitter, Sawtooth said. And uh, it was sent just to specific uh, influencers. So then it's kind of like leveraging the whole Game Changers program and, and moving that hype they that way. It, but they, they did s- that with Battlefield Five, didn't they? Didn't they do with Morse code? And some people had Morse code um, tweets, yeah. And people would decode them and, and so on and so forth. So they used Game Changers to. I'm not saying used utilized Game Changers to um, spread uh, small I don't information know. about games. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I okay, I don't know. Do you maybe thought as you don't, but I don't know. I was actually active on Twitter after the launch of Battlefield Five, so I don't know actually yeah, nothing they did about. Yeah, they did that. So this is similar, mm -hmm. but they did it with DMs. I mean, at that point, my guess is these influencers got instruction of how they can <laughs> send that information out. So you, you, you probably got a DM and they got an email mm -hmm. saying, hey, look, you sent you a DM, um, you know, retweet it or yeah. something or snapshot it and show it. Um, look, there's a, there's a level of fabrication, mm -hmm. you know, that's just industry standard. Um, not a bad thing, but at the same time, it is. Thank you, Simon. You you look at things and how authentic can they be? Mm -hmm. You know, um, not a knock against influencers that are part of programs like this. Um, I think it's completely normal, and they're probably excited to do it. If someone if yeah. put yourself in that position, if if EA messaged you with a, a crazy cryptid message. You'd also screenshot it and send it out. So True. I'm not I'm not being a devil's advocate here and saying like maybe they got instructions, but like basically they know to push the info out to others. I mean, I don't know, not a bad idea, but I don't know. I don't know. I I liked it the way they did it so far, and when people now are complaining about them doing not a good marketing campaign. I think it's not about marketing anymore. Right now it's just about communication. And Ooh. I I don't know what I don't know why they don't do more communication right now, even though everyone is like, you know, craving for it basically. I, I don't, know. don't know. This is why I say you know, wait. Wait and watch. Wait and watch. You can't do anything about it, right? And that's how yeah. I feel. Like it's to be honest, it's not really bothering me right now because in the end, you gotta wait for the game anyways, and then you see how it will be. Yeah. Like I, it wouldn't change anything for me if I would see now gameplay. For me personally, it would not change anything to be honest because in the end, I have to play the game to see if it fits for me, if it is for me. Yeah. But on the other hand, maybe I don't see something right now. What other people see, I don't know. I mean, definitely gives me as a host of this podcast, it would give me more opportunities and more to speak about. But then again, I don't, I don't have the chance to play the game right now. So, I mean, um, if I could, if I could have some closing thoughts, on yes, please. All the discussions we had uh, today. I mean, first of all, you know, thank you for inviting me here to talk. Um, it's specific, you know, because we both share a love for a game. Um, we also share love for gaming in general. And um, I really think your cause in what you do, working with people who are trying to help them with being more aware of themselves. Um, for instance, I was never aware that gaming was a way for me to cope with bad things in my life. You know, that's why I spent so much time gaming. Um, it's really it's really important to share with others that I know that your, your, your content with the idea behind gamers, we care is to help support one another, right. Um, through tough times. Right. And 
you've shared with me some of the tough times you've heard other people and, and what motivate you to create this content and so on and so forth. So if I had some closing thoughts for people here, um, it really is that the tough times are the ones that make you. Uh, make you who you are. They bring out who you're supposed to be. Inside, you've always been who you are. You're just trying to figure it out because, you know, we're born in this world and we don't know even how to speak. So you already had a soul. You already had a personality. You're just trying to now find it. And um, it's important to take your time, right? Um, try a lot of things. Keep chasing your dream. Build something that you're going to be proud of. Um, work to not waste your time. Like actively think about what you're investing time into. If you see someone being toxic or something, for instance, even ask yourself, is it worth your time to even try to change this person or not? Sometimes no. You know, some people just need to go out there, say their, say their piece and word and have it just flow out in the internet so they can like take three weeks and meditate or figure it out. And then eventually they'll be like, man, I am a, I am a, a very sorry that I went into the streamer and I cursed him out in his chat or something. Who knows? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But sometimes it doesn't even like come back that way. Like that person's going to have this realization personally and never come back to me. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, I've been, I've been not a controversial person in, in the community or whatever, like, I don't think so, but I've had like people say mean things about me and I was like, dang, man, what did I do? But this person has their own life. I don't need an apology. Maybe they never did come to that conclusion of like, hey, um, but I wanted to kind of end on this note because I, I know we're yeah, running time-wise. I know, you got to go. You already gave me yeah. half an hour more than you wanted yeah. to. So that's fine, that's Damn, fine. Damn, really. But you see how hard it is for me, you know? It's like it's every time. It's, it's like, how could I end this? How could I end this, I, I, you know? And I also did not want to end it, you know, because if I, if I did, I would have ended right there abruptly. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to end with this. Guys. Um, but uh, let me let me give no thank you man really let me give you some final words here as well really thank you so much eric for being here tonight i thought it's such a pleasure talking to you really i feel like this was a good vibe tonight and we had a really good talk and i feel we could do this much longer and maybe mm, sure. maybe, maybe we will do it another time about something else also guys right. in the chat thank you so much uh, we had some new guys in here d king and th uh, thank you so much for being here and for being that active thank you guys for for yeah hey joe thank you uh guys for for joining us tonight um for showing the love up, and joe? and the respect and the good talks and the ideas thought to thank you for being here again broken machine as always welcome um also thank you to my mods here bloody and cylon thank you for staying here all the time and uh giving us the links also put maybe here put uh echo echoes link here in one time again mm. I mean, uh, Twitter is where I am now. Yeah, that's the Twitter link. We put the Twitter. That's why. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. We put the Twitter link in here uh, because I thought that's the best way to connect with you. So if you guys have any questions uh, in point of marketing or streaming, whatever, I'm pretty sure you can hit them up. Or you want to work in the game industry. I, I love trying to help people get into the game industry. I think the industry can use it. There's so much opportunities. All right. So here you go, guys. Listen to him. Just send him a DM. He's open for everything. Um, 
almost everything. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we will call it a night tonight. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. We will be back, by the way, um, at October the 10th, I think, I believe. It's like in two weeks. Um, SMK Gaming will be there and two other guests. I'm not sure yet. We will see. <laughs> but we Ooh. will have two more. Um, so we will probably talk about, I hope we will talk about the beta. I hope the beta will be in that week. Um, then we can talk about and see some gameplay and see how that worked out. So, guys, thank you so much.